Hey everyone, welcome back to Purple Noon, a podcast. I am Stephanie Conti, and I am here with the Audrey Horn to my Dale Koopa. I actually did that in an episode. I did it in like one of our first episodes, but now it is relevant. How are you doing, Savannah? I am excited for this episode. How are you? Very, very good. All right. So usually we have a little fun intro in the beginning. That's not happening today because today we got a lot to discuss. We will be talking Twin Peaks season one and two and fire walk with me. And now for all those Twin Peakers out there going, what about season three? Sir or ma'am, season three is a whole different ball game. So we will adjust that later on. But we're going to keep the 90s work with the 90s work. The OGs with the OGs, if you will. Um, So without further ado, let's just dive in. So let's talk about Twin Peaks, the TV show. It came first. Even though Firewalk With Me is a prequel, we got to talk about the show first. So for those of you who don't know, Twin Peaks... The first two seasons are about an idiosyncratic FBI agent who is investigating the murder of a young woman in an even more idiosyncratic town, Twin Peaks. Now, before we get into the whole spoilerly beat, (laughs) spoiler bits, um, (laughs) sorry about that, spoiler bits of Twin Peaks. Savannah, you watched the first two seasons. Do you recommend or not recommend to the viewers oh my god of course this show is prime guys i you know before stephanie introduced me i heard of the show but i never watched it and i see why it's so great i mean okay if we're gonna be honest there are some corny moments there are some moments where you're gonna laugh when you shouldn't be but the story itself the way they've constructed this own universe in town is fantastic and I'm sure you would agree. Like, I've never Absolutely. seen a more well-constructed, like, universe in that sense. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. If you, if I, if, if we talk, if, like, if I meet any one of our listeners, they would have already know within the first two hours of meeting them, the word Twin Peaks would have already escaped my lips. Um, and if you ever meet me, expect it. I love Twin Peaks. I, I praise Twin Peaks. It is by far one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I'd say definitely favorite in its category of, you know, um, police murder, drama, that type of deal. Um, So I, I truly love Twin Peaks. I truly love David Lynch. And the way we're going to be reviewing, so automatically, I recommend. If you haven't seen it, I recommend. And the way we're going to be talking about Twin Peaks is the Twin Peaks is the whole show, in my opinion, obviously has a great storyline, but it is carried by all the characters. Yeah. So we are literally going to go through all the majority characters of season one and season two. And we're going to ask ourselves, did you like the character? And did you think they were essential to the story? That is um, how we're going to do it. Because we could follow the story all true and true, but I feel like we would get a deeper dive by going through character by character. Now, just to be clear, this is for people who've watched the show. If you have not yet, it's on Netflix. All two seasons are on Netflix. And Fire Walk With Me is on the Criterion channel. So yes. and this is not I for people means, who 
haven't seen the show for sure. By every means, do not watch. Even though I just said Firewalk with me is the prequel, do not watch it until you finish Twin Peaks. Absolutely. It will spoiler it and the show will it will lose its value. The movie adds value to the show when you watch the show first. Yeah. If you watch the movie first, it kind of takes away a lot of value. Also, do not jump into Twin Peaks the Revival without knowing anything. You'll lose your mind. Seriously, <laughs> I've had people go, like Stephanie says this is her favorite show, and they start watching season three, and I'm like, why would you do that to yourself? You've got no context. Yeah, like, no, you can't. There's, at there's that no point, way. it's like watching C-SPAN. It's like, no, you got it, especially because, you know, David Lynch really went off the rocker in season three. But please, if you're going to do it, the correct order is Twin Peaks season one, season two, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, and Twin Peaks season three, The Revival. There, I will not tolerate any other way. <laughs> I, am very, <laughs> I am very religious about this. If you you're watch it any other way, super confused. That's just you're really depriving it. yourself of the Twin Peaks moments. Do not go, f- please. Do not be like, oh, well, I can go season one, season two, season three, and then firewalk with me. No, that won't make do it sense. my way. It won't make my sense. way or the or, or the highway, or as a David Lich reference, my way or the lost highway. Um, that was lame. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so are you ready, Savannah, to I'm dive excited. into and also? I'm not just going to throw, in case it's been a while, I'm going to give a little brief synopsis of every character and the relation to the story and the story's main character where everyone surrounds, Laura Palmer. Right. Okay. Let's so if you need it. a little refresher, we got it. All right. We got to start with our, our main boy, Dale Cooper, played by Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, he is the FBI inv- agent that investigates the show. And if Savannah, like Savannah, who has the notes that I have in front, I actually wrote actual daddy last okay. night at okay. midnight. <laughs> Thoughts on that, Savannah? I'm just going to say this for first comment. There is nobody else that could have played Dale Cooper. I, I just feel that way very strongly that no one else could play him like Kyle McLaughlin. And he will always be Dale Cooper. I don't care if they do a revival. I don't care if they try to do like 2020 Twin Peaks. It's Kyle McLaughlin. So in that Kyle sense, he is, he is Twin Peaks daddy. That's it. That is it. All right. And of course, what's your thoughts on the character? He is the heart of the show. That's like, he is the central character besides Laura Palmer. So you're sort of following this FBI agent in this very weird town. And the character himself is very entertaining. He has almost this robotic way of speaking. But he's very friendly and warm. It, it's very interesting the the way Kyle McLaughlin like, played him. What do you think about that? I love the way he's played. I think, and honestly, the way kind of, I, I feel like it, the way that he's played is kind of a take on what I've known about David Lynch. I feel like David Lynch is kind of like that, as you can kind of also see with the the Gordon Cole character that he plays. Um, now, I love the, his robotic sense because he's not cold. He's very no, warm, no, but yeah. he is super professional, always with the, the iconic slick back hair. And I think also I've never seen a... A TV show character that has as as many iconic lines and moments so quotable than Dale Cooper in Twin Peaks. I think he is, if if anyone wants to write a TV show and if anyone is looking to re- write a TV show with a beloved 
character in it. Twin Peaks' Dale Cooper is the best prime example of an overall and amazingly written character that everyone can love. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He was fantastic. You get really attached to him very quickly, too. Like, within, like, three episodes of me watching it, I was just like, nothing better happen to him. I don't care if the whole town blows up. I just want him to live. Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously, because he's just that likable. Um, and I think he did a great job. I, I don't know if that was more of David Lynch's direction or if that was more of Kyle uh, McLaughlin's take on him. But what a great, great job. And he was very consistent through the two seasons. For sure. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed how, you know, because the, uh, the entire show is like a battle between good versus evil. Yeah. And I like how he acts like this medium in terms of translation for what, you know, this this almost like an underworld type of thing, like what the dark side is saying, what it means. And I like how he is kind of used also as a chess piece for both the good and the bad. Um, yeah. I like that because it gives us an insight, especially because of the idea of Bob, who we will talk about. The fact that he has this insight to the both good and evil is so essential to the main villain of the story. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. That's He's sort of, in a way, the savior of this town. In yes. A, in a way. So I thoroughly enjoyed this character. He is definitely... I don't know if he's my favorite, but he's definitely one of top three. Top three. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so next we have the iconic Laura Palmer. Within the first five minutes of the first episode, you see her body wash up. She is the entire, like, even though Dale Cooper is kind of like the pedestal, Laura Palmer is like the statue on top. Like yeah, Laura yeah. Palmer, everyone looks at the everything surrounds based off her death. So Laura Palmer is played by Cheryl Lee. Um, Laura Palmer's character had a history of drugs, prostitution, and was sleeping with essential characters like James, Bobby, and Benjamin Horn. What did you think about Laura Palmer and the way because she is she is the apple of the eye in terms of Twin Peaks? What did you think of her being this whole entire the nucleus? of Twin Peaks. I, you know, one thing that I will always say for a teenage girl, she's supposed to be about 18. She's very well written with a lot of depth. Um, I think when you're first introduced to her, you're kind of like, oh, this is just like an all-American, like, you know, regular teenage girl and something bad happened to her. Homecoming and, queen in a small town, you know, that yeah, type like, of deal. The, the picturesque girl. But as you get to know her through the seasons and once you watch Fire Walk with me, you got to know this girl's life was horrifying, like actual horrifying mess, nightmare. And you understand a lot of the choices that she makes because as the season, you know, continues, you're kind of just like she was into prostitution and drugs. And it was, you're just kind of like, why she was sleeping girl? with so many different essential like cast members. Like yeah. she was like characters who have been in the episode since day one. She was sleeping with James, Bobby, Benjamin Horn, Jacques Renal. Like she was, she was involved in so many different ways. Um, and But it was also realistic. They set the story to where it wasn't like, oh, that's a far fetch. They made it very realistic in terms of her connection to everyone in this town. Absolutely. And I just think that like, at the end of it, you do understand her choices and why she does all this. She wasn't just this crazy 
18 year old suburban girl like you do know her life towards the end of the towards I, I think fire walk with me is really when you resonate with the character but for a teenage girl I really do like the fact that they took another turn because in the 90s I feel like we were getting this like all American girl like perfect family sort of thing and then David Lynch comes in and was just like hey who do we have Claire Danes in my so-called life literally like everything (laughs) everything about a teenage girl in the 80s and the 90s was just all American cheerleader like everything is perfect I'm good and then David Lynch comes in and was just like no let's give her a messed up situation let's let's do this and I like the complexity of it all. I think she's very complex and I appreciated that a lot. Absolutely. And one of the most, the, the crazy thing was that uh, Cheryl Lee, who plays her, um, was only supposed to be on set for four days. She was just going to be the body and then was never going to come back. This was her first acting role. And obviously she started coming back in sequences, especially in like, you know, the white and black lodge. Um, and then... David Lynch liked her so much that he casted her as another character and who we will talk about. But it's so crazy to think that someone's so iconic. Like if you think Twin Peaks, you think of two people, Dale Cooper and Laura Palmer. Yeah. And she like, she wasn't supposed to be the face of Twin Peaks, but she immediately became one after they gave her more screen time and stuff. And I thought that was such a great decision because they needed that. I think also for the show, you needed that constant reminder about her. You needed to see her face all throughout the entire season. You needed all that to just further show the connections and how this wasn't just, you know, oh, like a simple passing. Like this was way more complex. And obviously with the storyline, it does show that. But I, I love the fact that she was in it from beginning to end. And I thought for a first time actress, I thought she was brilliant especially when she plays her second role. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, and I like how we'll get into, I think Fire Walk With Me is where we'll break her character down more. But yeah, definitely absolutely. for sure. And like when she plays the second character, you do see her shine a lot. Um, so yeah, Laura Palmer. Awesome. All right. Now we got Bob. Bob was played by Frank Silva. Rest in peace. And yes, I have a little RIP next to everyone who has passed. Um, also, same with Bob. Another person, the Frank Silva, was was literally a set dresser. And there was a part where he, like, he accidentally got trapped in one of the sets. But everyone could see, you know, him being trapped. And it was then David Lynch realized, like, I want to add him in. And the fact that not only he added Laura and Frank Silva's character in last minute and created Twin Peaks, what it is today is fantastic. Like he just, those were two random thoughts that he had that he just added in and it worked so well and it made it even more iconic. So Bob is this, in layman's terms, is a demon. Is a demon. In my personal opinion, I feel like it is a demon that kind of, that goes from person to person, has the face of the actor Frank Silva. But at the time, I do think it was almost like, you know, um, oh my God, what's the newer movie? M. Night Shyamalan, D.I.D. What's the movie I'm thinking about? Split? I was thinking that. Or like last? Split. Okay. Split. I was thinking, because you know, like in the movie Split, where they talk about DID, um, they showed how, like, there's this portion, and obviously it's not entirely accurate, but 
you can kind of like the persona and everything kind of changes as it goes split, like through split personalities. Mm. So I, I, I kind of wondered if Bob was like a representation of DID, but for an audience that didn't understand it. So I will say in season three of Twin Peaks, we do find out where Bob manifests from. Oh, I'm not going to say anything about that now because there is sort of this answer that David Lynch kind of brings. Um, But can I just say Frank Silva is probably the most terrifying TV characters ever. He has the face for it. Yeah, he has. It's 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 almost like his facial features when he has that grin is very wolf like. That's always what I got from looking at him. And even like. And it, it, it was just, I, I love the addition of this Bob demon uh, figure and how it was just this haunting presence that no one understood. Um, and it also added, you know, once again, a lot more complexity to the story. I do think it was essential to have Bob um, because it also, it kind of lessened, but also hardened the blow of who we find out kills Laura Palmer. Um, I mean, if we're being honest, it does also change what kind of show we're watching because we go from a mystery to sci-fi-ish. Yeah, we go. We, it changes genre. But I, I do love the character Bob, the idea of Bob and everything like that. Um, and I thought Frank Silva, for not even being an actor, killed it. Killed it. Was so, so good at being this very creepy character. And what I've noticed is when they're in like the, the white lodge, when they're in the, I, I, I've always addressed it as the red room um, when they're in the red room and he's always in there and, you know, they speak backwards in the red room and then they play it in rever- or they speak, I think backwards phonetically. And then they play their audio in re- reverse every time he's in there. Like he, like he's the one who I understand the most. He's the one who is most realistic in that setting as well. Right when you have everyone talking in that weird like you know tongue i guess you could say so i bob is essential and i love the idea of bob he's spooky it was a spooky spooky thing when especially when we first meet him spooky oh yeah just out of nowhere because yeah because mrs palmer is just chilling on the couch and then he's like lurking behind the bed and it's like who the hell is this dude like (laughs) it just comes out of left field we're like what and then it just continues to the story and then later on you're like oh yeah who is he like i kind of i i liked i i I love the idea of him yeah Um, i think once you like come to terms with what is going on he's great All right, now let's talk about Sheriff Harry Truman, played by Michael Ontkeen. So he's the sheriff, and another relation that he has with the town is that he is on and off again sleeping with the character Josie Packard. What did you think of Truman's character? What did you think of the uh, the sheriff? I liked him. I thought he was, like, very wholesome Twin Peaks guy. I don't know if that makes sense. But he sort of I feel like all American. Yeah, I feel like he was a good representation of the of the town. Yeah. And I liked his character and I liked also his uh dynamic with Cooper. I liked how they formed like this instant friendship, you know, just bros just fighting crime, like the ultimate yeah, was, comic book heroes. Cute. It was very cute. Um so I did enjoy the the character himself. Um well I don't know if we get to Josie Packard, we do, but uh, I don't, I didn't care for the romance. 
very much. Mm, out of all the weird little romances that happened, it wasn't my favorite, but I also didn't find it annoying. You know, no, like I, I was like, I can stay there. There were more relationships I found annoying, trust me, but I didn't necessarily, when they were on the screen, I was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> like, huh. you know, sort of like that. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, now let's move on to Shelly Johnson, played by Madshin Amik. Uh, she is a little diner girl, and she is married to Leo Johnson, but is getting with Laura Palmer's, one of Laura Palmer's boyfriends, <laughs> Bobby Briggs. I like Shelly. I liked her all I throughout. I too. I like her. I like Shelly a lot. I, real cute girl. I liked her acting, but out of all of the different, you know, subplot lines, her and Leo and Bobby were one of my favorites. It was a very interesting thing they did. I will say, like, that whole thing that happens with Leo and um, how they're sort of in this triangle situation. But I, I liked the drama because with the whole, like, her being married to Leo, who's pretty much psychopath, and then basically being with Bobby, who was with, like, publicly with Laura Palmer. I, I like the drama, and I, I think the drama with them is very steady. So there's never a boring moment with Shelly and Bobby and Leo, is what I'm saying. And I love Oh, I, I love them that. from first season all the way to the last episode. I loved those characters. They were, in terms of, like, characters, like, because Shelly didn't have a super direct relationship with Laura, aside from sleeping with, you know, Laura's boyfriend. Means, um, yeah. But I, I, I do, I love the drama between Shelly, Bobby, and Leo, because I also think, um, which who we're going to talk about next, Bobby Briggs, played by Dana Ashbrook. Um, I thought it added so much more depth to his character. Yeah, especially because you're you're sort of introduced uh, to Bobby in this negative light. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's at the police station and he's just like, I don't know, crap. And he's just... Like snapping, <laughs> just acting like, 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 oh man, what is it? Not uh, like a greaser, like a 1950s greaser in the first episode. Yeah, he's very much put in the spotlight as this like town rebel bad guy thing. And then I think Shelly definitely brings a softer and you do see a better side of Bobby. Um, yeah, and we, we learned that Laura treated him like dirt. Like oh, dirt, God. like dirt in the yurt, like so <laughs> awful. And then he also does have, cause it's, and I, you know, cause at first I was, at first I was like confused. I was like, why is Bobby, well, where does Bobby and Shelly, how do they come into play? And it's because Bobby was working with Leo to sell drugs. Yeah. And we learned that in fire walk with me. Very yeah. Cool. We get a little bit. We only get a little bit of it in season one. But that's we only so get a important hint. because that's really the reason him and uh, Laura were together was the drugs, if you think about it. Um, I do think Bobby loved her. I think just Laura used him. No, it, it was definitely Laura. Laura's crazy, you know, self. But I I liked Bobby and Shelly a lot. I thought they were very entertaining. Uh, Bobby does make me laugh sometimes in the show. Just sometimes the... I will say with Twin Peaks, there can be some overacting. 
Um, I think Shelly does great sure. Uh, Bobby could get a little much sometimes. But regardless. Oh, my God. Let's not forget when he was in the, the cell, the jail cell, and, like, James Hurley is across from him, and then him and his buddy Mike just, oh, 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 like, just start barking like dogs, and they're just screaming into the camera. It's like, what? What I'm was any of that? Some, some of the things in Twin Peaks. We'll get to James and some of the <laughs> other <laughs> Because I, I have some qualms with that. But, no, I think even with some of the Bobby's moments, I do think Shelly and Bobby are very consistent characters in Twin Peaks. Um, so I very much enjoyed, and I was always very interested in their storyline, even when there wasn't like too much going on. I think the, yeah, the like after it, like there would be some characters that I was just like, uh, end their stupid drama, please. And then Bobby and Shelly would come on the screen and I'd be like, oh my God, thank you. Like, especially <laughs> during mid season two, mid season oh. two of Twin Peaks. Yeah, that was a, and I feel bad because I think the show like. The beginning of season two and the end of season two were prime. But I do feel like there was a couple episodes that just really lost, you know, their audience. And I could see why. But I think Bobby, this writers did a really good job at keeping them relevant. Yes, I, I totally agree. Um, oh, I'm sorry. My mom just came in, mouthed some words to me. And I'm like, I don't know what you said. And she goes, okay. And like, <laughs> so I'm like, Okay, um, but next, Benjamin Horn, played by Richard Bamer. Fun fact, there's two West Side Story characters in here. Two West Side Story peeps in here. Okay. So, yeah, I know. He, he, I wish they would have made it out of all the people who sang on the show. Why not give it to him? Right? To a person that could actually sing. Why not? But okay. So, anyways, he plays Audrey's dad. Oh, she he yeah plays Audrey's dad. He's also the owner of the Great Northern Hotel and also the owner of One Eyed Jacks, a prominent you know location in the TV show. Sorry, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I've had so much caffeine this morning. Um, but one of the things about even though he is a married man, of course, everyone sleeps with everyone in this town. He not only slept with Laura, but he is also sleeping with the mill owner, Catherine. What okay, you think can of, I just of say Ben Horn? Yeah. She was very old for him to be. I don't know. She looked like a grandma to me the whole show. So they were probably back, the same age, though. Th- well, I'm sorry, but like, yeah, I didn't really believe it because the fact that she did look older, and he was older. I assume he was in his 40s in the show, but to me, she looked like she was hitting 60. So no, I, I think they were like, older because right now today, uh, Richard Bamer is in his 80s now. Oh. And I think so is Piper Laurie. I think he just had a good head of hair, you know? Don't do that. Having I a good hair, head of hair will make you look 10 years younger. Yeah, I didn't think he looked that old in the in the show. I mean, no offense to the actress. I just think that she, I don't know if they wanted her to be portrayed as older, but she did look a little bit older to me. I think she looked her age, and I think Ben looked just so happened to look younger. Yeah, I think that's what it was. He just looked a little too young to be sleeping with her, and I was always just like, hmm. I really did like Ben Horn, though. I I liked him. I liked the drama. Love the duo of him and his brother, Ben and Jerry. Are you kidding me? Genius. The brother is from the Warriors. He's from the Warriors. Yes. 
Yes. That's where I know him from. I was just like, oh my God, it's the guy that clinks the glasses in Coney Island. <laughs> That's it. That's where I knew him from. Um, but honestly, they were pretty great because the brother came off as this kind of like a loon, a little loony. And Ben yeah. was this very like sort of daddy Warbucks-esque character. And he just had drama left and right. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought that his drama was really good, even in season two. And he has this whole thing where all of a sudden he loses his mind and he thinks that he is um, General, what was it, Robert E. Lee during the Civil War. Uh, yeah. You know what? I was here for it. I Out of all the drama that occurred in season two with the like other non-essential characters, I was there for it. I enjoyed it. It added a little like, bit something different. Yeah, I didn't like not, I, I didn't have an issue with it. Because I like the character. And I thought he was a good character because it made it very... Because obviously at some point, there's definitely two main people who you think are responsible for Laura's death. And it's him and Leo Johnson. And I thought his character, the idea of him, the fact that he owned One Night Jacks, all this stuff, I thought that was really, really interesting. And I really liked his character. And I thought he was a great actor too. I I think so too. And I, I think... He definitely has the best um, character growth, I want to say, because I, I think in the beginning of the show, like he's a he's a real villain. He's he's not a great guy. Um, and then towards the end of the show, I, I do think they soften up his character a bit. Mm-hmm. So I do. Like All right. That. Now let's get into Audrey Horn. The, the most beautiful woman, I believe, in this in this entire oh, cast, although there are several very pretty women. She is played by Sherilyn Fenn. She has a romance with Dale. Some kind of romance with Dale. Never really explored. I'm upset. Um, but thanks, Laura Flamboyle. <laughs> um, but she really didn't know Laura well. But her whole tie-in is that her being infatuated with Dale kind of lights a fire within her to do good so that way he can see like oh she isn't just some 18 year old which i'm <laughs> I'm a little happy that they didn't they didn't you know fully get together right. but i i liked her character transformation because in the beginning she was snooty she was just yeah. like you know with the what was it the iceland the icelandic people she just comes in and is like my friend died and like just drives away all the customers and everything like that it seemed like she did a lot of things for attention but in the end I, like she became like an adult like she she grew into an adult throughout the story yeah i i really enjoy uh her character you know i think she does develop into a more prime person because you mm-hmm. don't really know her role in the mo- uh not the movie but the show at the beginning because she didn't really know laura um and then she kind of brings the whole one-eyed jacks thing in the picture which is a big uh situation in the show um and she does her best to investigate that and i really wish they would have dale and her would have got together it was my dream i know i know audrey was a champ audrey was a damn champ because she was in one-eyed jacks she was prostituting and stuff like that just to find out info without no one asking and then there's a moment where she almost sleeps with her dad almost has a laura palmer moment with herself and then she's kidnapped and they put heroin in her and she comes out of it she's like hey i found out what you need to know and it's like you rock 
You went through war. You went through hell. Love you, Audrey. Cooper after all that, but I know he's not on the list, but I just want to mention briefly that Billy Zane comes in the picture at some point towards season two at the end of season two and he would have been as bad if he just didn't sing i i laughed so hard because he was like singing some like i want to say it was like a native american song but it didn't make sense because i don't think he was native american in the in the show so it was just this weird ballad and i I didn't even put billy zane on the list because if there was a list of like my least favorite you know my top three least favorite guest stars i'm sadly to say he would have been one of them you I know, and like he, his kind of role in the show was like for a love interest for Audrey that we didn't need. You know, we didn't need to know that she lost the virginity to him on the plane. I didn't. I would have been okay without that information. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I would have been totally fine. And he wasn't. He was just kind of like. I mean, he's he's a very attractive man, but I just every time he was on the screen, I was like, oh god, I hope he. Like, I hope this is quick, you know, because it was just a little distracting, you know. Yeah, and it obviously, because she couldn't get with, you know, Dale, um, they kind of just threw her. They were like, hey, maybe if we put everyone's favorite Billy Zane in the picture, maybe everyone will forget it. And everyone was like, no, we will not forget Dale (laughs) and Audrey. Forever. Speaking of the the Dale and Audrey killer, (laughs) (laughs) Donna Hayward, played by Laura Flynn Boyle, who is Laura's best friend and gets with James and the weird shut-in character that we will talk about later. (laughs) Um, You know, first time around, I liked her. But second time around that I've seen the show, I was like, you know, I don't like how she continually tries to steal the spotlight off her friend, Laura. Dude, that's all it was. And I told you, like, when I started watching the show, I'm like, Donna's got to go because (laughs) she wasn't a real friend. Like, I'm sorry, but if you're complaining about your dead best friend, 19 episodes in, I'm going to get tired. And you still boyfriend which is weird i'm sorry but i that's just not something and then they're just like we were in love together the entire time and it's like bro you didn't even kiss you didn't even talk to each other like that (laughs) (laughs) it was just weird and then like the worst thing for me was when she's talking to the shut-in guy she goes on this weird monologue about how her and and donna I mean, not Donna, her and Laura meet these two random guys when they were 14 and they have this this love with these guys and Laura was so free and she made her do things and it was just like, all right, what what's that have to do with anything? Like, Which, by just- the way, isn't that literally what happens in Fire Walk With Me, but they're not 14? Yeah, I don't know what that was about at all. Like, I, I don't know. We'll talk about that later. But it's just constant complaining about Laura's my best friend but Laura Laura didn't do this for me and James is still in love with Laura like it, it's just it gets old very quick and then and then yeah. at the end of season two they throw her some actual like drama they throw her a bone and she it turns out she's Benjamin Horn's daughter whoa wow like, what, a, what a turn so she's audrey's sister yeah i mean it kind of i can see it 
that's just I I did like that because it was actually giving her some meaningful part in the story <coughs> in my opinion. Because before that it was just Ooh, sorry. It was just whining for me. The whole season is just her whining and complaining. And I don't think Laura Flynn Boyle is a bad actress by any means, but because at the time her and Kyle McLaughlin were dating, they had to rewrite some things and it's like, uh and and I don't like, and she also didn't come back. She didn't come back for Firewalk with me, and she didn't come back for season three. Whatever. No one liked her anyway. I was <laughs> fine. I was fine. I just, she was annoying. Like, Brutal. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even my mom, like, I was like, you didn't like Donna, like, right? The first time we watched it, she was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> she, like, I do think it would have been more essential to have that, but I just don't think her character, and, you know, at the end, I really if think it's not on Laura friend. Flynn Boyle's part. I think the rewrites fully blame for Laura Flynn Boyle, what we know of the rewrites that happened because of her. But they could have given her more justice because I do think she's a good actress. I think they could have written the, ju- uh, the the character a little bit more multifaceted than just saying, like, Laura's dead. We're all talking about Laura. When are we going to talk about me? And it's like, dude. She's just like a miserable person the whole season. And, like, if yeah. she were a better friend, I think, because they didn't write her well. I think that she was just whiny. And she wasn't a good friend. Like, she just wasn't. And I'm not saying Laura was, like, an easy friend to be there for. But I am saying, like, She's not, she's kind of annoying the whole time. I wish Donna was one of those characters that, like, you love to hate. My dogs are going off right now. I am sorry. I, um, I wish Donna was one of those characters that you could love to hate. You know, that she kind of had, like, you know, like, her just, like, what she deserve. And we just didn't get that. Like, she was so vain, so selfish, and, like, with no punishment, really. And now that leads into James Hurley, played by James Marshall, who was Laura's secret boyfriend, but then ends up being boyfriend, whatever label that they had with Donna. And then also has that weird old lady affair in season two. Not a fan. Not <laughs> a fan so at all. Random. That was so I skipped random. it all the second time I watched it. I was like, I'm not going through this again. This, this, this sub storyline for James was awful. But it didn't make sense either. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, at the end of the day, James seemed like a very loyal person. And James seemed like he was going to, you know, oh, he, he he's pretty much does the right thing. And for him to get an affair with this older, I'm sorry, but like weird woman, it just seemed off and out of character. Um, what I would have liked to see for James is when especially, especially the character Maddie is entered in. I would have liked if we would have seen like almost like him going a little bit crazy from everything. Cause I mean, obviously he was with Laura secretly and like, he did know her one minute, didn't know her another minute. Like obviously he went through some stuff and then all of a sudden the character Maddie would come in. And I think they could have built more on top of that rather than just having Donna, Maddie and James all sitting on the floor with the guitar going, just you. I could not deal with that. Dude, but why were there multiple scenes of them singing? Oh my god, and it plays not a one time thing. It it played throughout season two so much. (laughs) It was like, I was like, oh my god, someone turn this off and just play some Angelo Battle Lamenti, please, please. And like, they just kept bringing it up, like the like every time I was like smashing my pillow, like I was throwing it around because I hated that song. 
Dude, but the worst is that they also made Maddie and Donna sing. And then they made them have this, like, rivalry while singing. Like, Donna would get jealous. And, like, like, huh? Like, they would sing a little, she'd sing a little louder than her. It, it was weird. I didn't like it. I don't know who wrote that in. I don't know who wanted them to sing. Why was, did they think we wanted that? Because I wouldn't, nah. No. Like, I, it, it just, James and Donna, Annoying. they had moments where they were essential. They had yeah. their moments. And I think but, like, especially with like the locket and, you know, Donna with the shut in and stuff like that. But I all think those things could have happened way earlier on rather than them going, you know, oh, we're dating now. This is so weird. <laughs> your, your girlfriend just died two weeks ago. <laughs> we're dating. It's like, you know, let's 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 ease this blow a little bit, please. Let's just let's add little bits here and there. And it's almost like after a month, they were start dating. Then they go. Oh yeah, like like you know, let's uh let's do some crime solving, and it's like what? <laughs> now you feel guilty? <sighs> Which, by the way, I don't even think the timeline of the show. I literally think it's only like twenty four days. The whole thing. Yeah, because yeah. I remember in season two, like the, Dale Cooper was like, "I've only been here for nineteen days." I'm like, "It hasn't been three months." <laughs> like that was one of the most surprising things to me. Uh, yeah, I, I, you're right. I think the show does go like the timeline is quick, and and that makes sense because they are doing an investigation. I don't think like it's like two years later and no one knows where what happened to Laura Palmer. Um, but. Yeah, you know, I think they could have lot, done a lot with James, um, but they kind of get give him this this complex to like, oh, I'm from the wrong side of the tracks. My mom is prostituting, <laughs> and but like I, I understand he had a hard life, but that's what they gave him. They him. should have added the like the story with his mother. Like, yeah. instead of him going to this rich woman's place, shacking it up while she's got a husband and a boyfriend and all this weird stuff, like, they should have, like, he should have been like, I'm going to find my mom. And then maybe because she was a prostitution, maybe she had to do something with one eye jacks, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, they never did that. And I don't know why. I was, I thought Blackie from one eye jacks was going to be his mom. What a great thing that would have been. I know. I know. I was like, because I remember first watching, I was like, come on, come on. You have this character, do something with it. And it never happened. I was like, no. So James Hurley and Donna Hayward were, you know, shooting threes and didn't even make it halfway. Just <laughs> like the ball was def- deflated and just went bounced off the the, t- the floor. Unfortunately, um, it didn't land for us. Um, Who's next? Norma Jennings. Played by Peggy Lipton, R.I.P. Who was also, fun fact, married to Quincy Jones. And her daughter is Rashida Jones. I can see that. They look alike. Mm-hmm. So she ran the Meals on Wheel program. She also owned the Double R Diner. But she ran the Meals on Wheel program with Laura uh, being a part of it. She was married to Con Hank Jennings, but has this long, long, long 20-year affair with Ed. I love Norma and Ed, and I rooted for them. Me too. I rooted for them deeply. I liked Norma's character. I liked how she kind of seemed, she almost reminded me of like an older version of Shelly, especially like when Hank comes into the picture. But she stands on her own, she stands on her own ground. And she, you know, defends herself against Hank when obviously Hank comes out of prison and starts doing all his, you know, prison stuff again. Yeah. Yeah. 
She deserved better. So I liked her, and I liked the fact that I liked. I thought she was essential, especially with the Meals on Wheels program too. Yeah, I agree. Um, and she was just kind of like the mom of the town. Like I liked how good care. Like she took really good care of Shelly, um, and she genuinely cared about that character. And I think she had a lot of heart to her, and she was very sweet. Um, and I liked her and Ed a lot. I think they deserved each other. I'm happy they ended up with each other at the end. Um, but yeah, such a sweet lady. Um, and she is in season three too. So I also enjoy her in Mm -hmm. that as well. All right. Now we got to talk Ed Hurley. So he's played by Everett McGill, married to Nadine, but is cheating and having the 20 year affair with Norma Jennings. He is also the uncle and caretaker to James. He owns a gas station, does not have a direct contact with Laura, but it aids the sheriff in doing adventures because they've been longtime friends. They're the book house boys. <laughs> um, I like Ed. I, I like that because like I said, I like the whole Norma and Ed out of, all the relationships I really did. I like Shelly's storyline with Bobby and I like Ed and Norma's storyline. Um, and I like his help. I like how, you know, when they're like, we're going to get the book house boys. I was like, woo, 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 like just cheering. Um, I really liked Ed. I really liked Ed's character and I thought he was good. And even when he was with, um, I, I, I do like the complex of him being with Nadine and, but wanting to always be with Norma. Um, you know, he feels a sense of responsibility for blinding one of her eyes <laughs> and she always had a crush on him still, even after that. So he, he stays with her and even while they're together, like, he's still very good at taking care of Nadine, even though she, she's a lot, Nadine is a lot to deal with. I'm not going to lie. In the beginning of season two, I did get annoyed with the marriage because, Nadine was very hostile. Everything was about the drapes. She was always screaming about drapes. Um, so it's just kind of like, just blind her other eye at this point so you can go. Like, I, I was <laughs> in the beginning because I was just like, she is horrible. But then you learn the story and why he's with her. And then I think we'll talk about Nadine later. But yeah, she has an accident again and it all works out. So mm-hmm. yeah, in the beginning it was rough, but you know, yeah. it gets there. All right, so next we have Pete Martell, played by Jack Nance, R.I.P. And if you're like, you know, Pete, if you're ever watching, you're like, Pete looks a little familiar. You are looking at the iconic Eraserhead. Yeah. Yeah. He is Eraserhead. So in his in Twin Peaks, he is married to Catherine, and he is the one who discovers Laura's body. I liked his character. I liked his character a lot. I liked his little, he, he was like this weird little old man who I just wanted to hug, you know? Sweet I just guy. wanted to be friends with and play chess with and have coffee with. I liked his character a lot. Um, I, I think he does a lot for Josie and Catherine's character as well. Yeah. He does strengthen the relationship, especially with, you know, Catherine being this bitter woman and Josie being, you know, oh, this sweet little, you know, immigrant who just wants to be sweet and nothing but sweet. And, you know, he like supports her while like dissing his wife. I I, I liked that little triangle as well. To an extent. Yeah. I will say to an extent. Yeah, for sure. But he, he's a he's a little cute character. Mm-hmm. All right. We're getting into the big boy. Leland Palmer. Oh, played oh by Ray Wise. Which, by the way, I'm just going to say it. 
people may disagree. I think Ray Wise is a phenomenal actor, and especially in Twin Peaks. Some of his stuff can be perceived as cheesy, mostly because the music sometimes isn't, you know, on par with everything happening. Not to say I don't like it, but I love Ray Wise. I love his, and I love the character Leland Palmer. So Leland Palmer is obviously Laura's father. He worked with Ben Horn at the Great Northern as a lawyer. And, dun dun dun, is controlled by this Bob demon and is the one who kills Laura. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of, what do you think of Leland? Oh, top three characters. Absolutely. He did a phenomenal job. And especially towards the, I want to say the end of season one, beginning of season two, where he's acting off. Like you meet this Leland Palmer that's just this, you know, distraught dad. His daughter just died. And then you're introduced to him starting to act weird and change his hair color and start dancing and singing out of nowhere. And you're just like, something is wrong. And then when the reveal comes, you're just like, oh, Done phenomenally. Did a great job at being possessed. Is that the right thing to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think of having, like I said, that kind of like almost split personality between him going in and out of possession from Bob, which I thought was fantastic. And holy crap, let's just say it right now. When we first realize what is going on and he's looking in the mirror and sees Bob and that is 10 out of 10 iconic scene like it was filmed so well especially when he's with the character maddie and i also like the fact that you don't think i love the fact that it kind of misleads you because he does kill someone at the time who was suspected to have killed laura yeah and so he kills him so you're thinking oh homeboy dad is out of the like he's not in the picture like and that's when his hair turns white and you think maybe he his hair turned white because he went crazy after killing Laura's killer or maybe he's free now like you didn't know what it meant and I love that like because I I was not expecting it to be him did you expect it to be him no and that's the best part of it like I I think there's always a suspicion that like it could have been someone close to her like I always wasn't uh sold on Benjamin Horn for some reason I thought maybe Leo um but not the dad no. It's because I think we all wanted it to be Leo. Leo, we already hated from the get-go. Yeah. We hated it from the get-go. We are like, just get this man's out of here. We wanted it to be him. But the fact that it was her own father was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. And, like, and especially, holy crap, in Fire Walk With Me, it's rough watching Twin Peaks when you're realizing that it's the father that raped and killed Laura. Well, and I so here's the thing. Fire walk with me. Fire walk with me. I I didn't know that. I guess I missed the part where like she was raped before she died, and I, yeah. for some reason I didn't connect it to Leland. I thought maybe she was raped by somebody else. In Fire Walk with Me, you do see it, and you're kind of just like, oh, that is why she's messed up. That is why she is doing drugs and prostituting herself. Like this is this is the reason why. Yeah. So I, I I love Leland Palmer and I love Ray Wise. I feel like Ray Wise is such an underrated actor. Like he's oh definitely God. someone out of this entire cast. I would love to work with one day um, Kyle MacLachlan and Ray Wise because I think they are just powerhouses of actors. For sure. 
definitely. All right, let's get into Josie Packard, played by Joan Chen, was tutored in English by Laura Palmer, owns the lumber mill, is dating Sheriff Truman, and then she has this little drama with her dead, quote unquote, husband, Andrew Packard and Thomas Eckerd. What did you think about Josie? They didn't care for her. Yeah, I mean... Didn't really, I wasn't interested in her storyline. Nothing against the actress, because I think she did a good job. I just, I didn't care. And I think it was just because, I, yeah. I liked her. I liked her. Didn't care for her that much in season two. I liked her in the beginning because I liked, um, I liked the drama between Catherine, Pete, Josie, and Ben Horn. I enjoyed all the drama that it was with them in the mill because the mill does have a big significance to the entire, like, I mean, you know, opening credits, dun, dun, like you see the mill, like the mill is like, I don't know, like just one huge representative of the town. So I do like the drama that goes on in the mill and because it shows more of these characters, you kind of get a sense of already the evil that was in Twin Peaks before Bob. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point to make. I don't know. I think there was just more interesting things going on. So she kind of like, for me, <laughs> just remembering. Wait, hold on. Can we just address the fact that when I was writing this and I was writing all the synopsis and everything, you it does say that she dies from fear. <laughs> what? Also, what was the doorknob thing? I don't know. Don't I don't know. But I thought, you know, this the like I said, the drama with Catherine, Pete, and Benjamin Horn and her were great. Um, when all of a sudden her quote unquote dead husband is back in town, and then the whole Thomas Eckhart thing, I did not care for. No, yeah, wasn't important. Yeah, no, did not care for it. So now let's talk about Catherine Martell, played by Piper Laurie. Which fun fact, she was the mother in Carrie. I did not know that. Didn't recognize yeah, she her. she was the mother in Carrie. A seasoned actor, a well-seasoned actor. Mm-hmm. So she is married to Pete, cheats with Ben Horn, and runs the mill. I liked her character. I liked her drama. And I... How do you feel? I didn't care for her so much in season two. No. Season one. Season one I liked her. Good. You know what I just remember her for? Um... <laughs> When she pretends to be an, a Japanese man for like a few episodes, and then it's yeah, her. that's what I remember her character for. And I'm just like, did you know it was her? I knew like it when wasn't you first a Japanese man, I, I knew that because the accent was <laughs> racist at some point, but I didn't know it was her, and that was a really cool reveal. Yeah, I liked it. And I also liked, I, I liked the duo because I thought it gave uh, the actor who plays Benjamin Horn, I thought it gave him a lot to play with, especially when he's in the jail cell. And she's like, it's me, dummy. And she's, he's like, oh my God. <laughs> I loved his reaction. I loved it. And he's like, you're, you're amazing. And like, she's like, oh yeah, just sign over the, the, the Great Northern to me and we'll all be good. And he's like, yes, yes. Like, I, I loved that scene. I, I, I thought that they played well and they showed each other's strength as actors. Um, were they essential to the main storyline? Not really, but I still enjoyed them. Yeah. Same, 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 same. So she- All right. Nadine Hurley, Ugh. played by Wendy Robbie, wacky, goofy as hell character, married to Ed, 
and has a storyline in season two where she gets hit in the head and thinks she's a teenager again. I'm just going to say it. I liked it because it, it brought normal. It brought normal and Ed together without being sinister, without being like, oh, Nadine's going to get hurt in this. Or like, yeah. you know, it wouldn't have made sense unless something like that happened. One thing I thought of would have been a little wacky, but it might have been a little bit, you know, too, too much for the 90s was because if she didn't remember, you know, where her parents are, she th- thinks she's a teenager. I'm surprised she didn't start having a crush on James Hurley. I thought that would have been weird. I thought they, if they could have added that in, that could have been like different if they added that in for a, a brief second. But James Hurley was also gone doing his own thing, yeah. which I didn't agree with. But I mean, she did have an affair with a teenage boy. so. But everyone was cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, All four parties were okay with it. I mean, yeah, like you said, it did bring together Norma and Ed for good. And I and, and honestly, it was a fun storyline. It was fun. It was funny. It was entertaining. It showed her as an actress too, because when she was just like my drape runners every time, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to skip this scene. But when she was like a teenager and she was like happy and stuff like that, and like super athletic, very flexible, good for her. She must have been in like her late 30s, early 40s at the time. She's doing cheer. She's doing lit weights and stuff like that. She's jumping all around. I like that. I like that we got to see that side of uh, Wendy Robbie. Yeah. So Nadine gets a pass from us because she's it's a pass. teenager. It's a nice pass. All right. Lucy Morin, played by Kimmy Robertson. She is a little, um, she works at the police station. She answers all the calls and the phones and helps out the officers. Um, she is with Andy, has that, and I'm just going to say it, awful storyline with Dick Tremaine. Hated it. Couldn't stand it. I was annoyed because Andy was the clear choice. Andy was the obvious choice. Why'd you have to string it on with some dude named Dick, Dick Tremaine? I honestly, like, come- yeah, he sucked. He sucked. And even if he was the father of your baby, why would you want that? Andy and Kimmy, oh, not uh, Lucy, love them. Love their duo. Love their duo. Adorable. Loved everything about them being together. Adorable. I wish they had more flourished rather than kind of separate in season two for a little bit. Because I, I thought they were they were perfect. They were both the little weirdos that worked together, and they could have they could have lived happily ever after from beginning to end. But no. Someone was like, let's add in Dick Tremaine. And it's like, what? Nobody like that. I'm just gonna no. It. We're not even going to talk. I wrote, just wrote here, wrote, talk about Dick Tremaine because I don't want to go into his character. I don't want to talk about it. No. So at the end of it, she does end up with Andy, the obvious clear choice. And they're actually from, um, I started Twin Peaks season three. I'm, I'm, I'm a good 10 episodes in. They're pretty relevant in the show. So I'm. You'll definitely see them again if you keep going, and I love them. Sweet, perfect. People. I liked them two together. Um, but yeah, Dick Tremaine gotta go. Um, remove that from my memories. <laughs> so, Maddie Ferguson, the cousin to Laura Palmer, who just so happens to look exactly like Laura Palmer, except brunette because she is played by Cheryl Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I thought she was fantastic because it made sense why she would be added because how else were we going to get that horrid reveal at such an intensity without her? Yeah. She was much needed. And I enjoyed her in the show. I I liked her. 
I liked her a lot too. And I, I do think Cheryl Lee is a great actress. I think her strong suit is in Firewalk with me for sure, but didn't care for the, I, I could understand the love triangle. I, like I said, I wish it would, would have more focused less on Donna and James and more on James trying to get a hold and trying to deal with the, Laura, yeah. you know, losing Laura and but with hanging out with Maddie and stuff like that. I wish it kind of would have been like almost like a do over arc where, cause obviously James didn't really fight to be with Laura. You know, he was just like, Oh, if you want to, if you want to see me, while you're seeing like four other men, that's okay. <laughs> it's like, no, I wish like if in this case, like he would have fought for Maddie would have been like, I wish Maddie could have also been like his do over his second chance at, you know, being with the girl of his dreams. Um, but that reveal, holy crap, uh, where Leland starts chasing her and is choking her out, just beating her and stuff like that. And he switches in and out between Leland and Bob, you know, the, the two different personalities within him fighting for strength i thought that was impeccable amazing one of the best reviews on tv for sure oh absolutely now let's talk leo johnson played by eric deray trucker drug dealer works with bobby married to shelly but sleeps with almost everyone (laughs) sleeps with laura and let's talk about his coma (laughs) Because I had never laughed so hard in the show until when he was in the coma and they like, they realized that he talked and when he talks, he go like, he spits up spit and goes, new shoes, prime humor, prime time humor, loved Leo, loved how I loved hating him. That's a character who you love to hate Leo. Yeah. And I think they did a good job at sort of demasculating this villain. You know, and I, and I like that. You don't see that a lot where, like, they take this prime evil person that's just beating his wife and selling drugs and doing all these crazy things. And we'll find out in Fire Walk With Me, he pretty much abandons, like, the two girls that he's with who end up getting killed. Um, yeah, so it, I, I loved the role of Leo. I thought he was prominent. Love all the drama that centered around him. Yeah. I thought he was an extremely well-written character. Um, and yeah, and also in the end, he is used by another character named Wyndham Earl. Earl. And I feel like Leo Johnson, out of everyone, had a great, um, not necessarily story arc, but kind of like, I like his use in the plots because it was like he was this main villain. And then all of a sudden, like now he was in a coma. He got what he deserved. He tried doing bad again, but guess what? He's used by Wyndham Earl. So he now gets what he really deserves. So I liked how he kind of had like they served every time he was bad. They were like, nope, you're going to be served justice. Yeah. Loved it. All right. Officer Andy, played by Harry Goaz, the wimpy sheriff who has a relationship with Lucy Moore. Let's protect Andy at all costs. Protect. You know what's funny? As soon as, because he, when he's there when Laura's body is found and he starts crying. My mom instantly, when we were first watching the show together, she was like, it's him. He did it. (laughs) And the entire time she stuck by that intro. She was like, it's him. He killed they're going to reveal it. And like, meanwhile, like all the stuff with like Dick Tremaine was going on. I'm like, I don't think they're going to reveal it. And she's like, it's still going to happen. It's not the dad. He's such like, a sweet man. He's a, I know, he's literally only because he cried. <laughs> that is it. Uh, but I like his character and I, I don't 
didn't like the baby drama, but I love his relationship with Lucy. Yeah, so, so wholesome and sweet. Now we got to talk about one of the most underrated characters of the show, Officer Hawk, played by Michael Horse. A legend. An absolutely unit, might I add. Yes. Like, loved him. I loved his character. I love how he was just like the supportive officer dad from the guidelines who was just like, if you don't know what to do, this is what my culture has taught me. And I'm like, I love it. I'm here for it. You know, so <laughs> there's always this joke with between me and Savannah that I have an affinity for men who either are Native American or are into Native American culture. Oh. Marlon Brando, <laughs> uh, Doors, and Officer Hawk. So I I loved his character. I loved he was just so helpful, so insightful, and every dialogue he said, I was like, yes, Hawk, I live oh, for it. Great. Such a stand-up guy. Another stand-up character, you know? Um, I'm just going to also say he's a main part of season three. He comes back. Yeah, he kind of, because um, the Michael Aunt Keen doesn't come back for season three. So, I, I but I'm happy. It gives Officer Hawk the, the, the time that he deserved. And although I loved him on Twin Peaks, I was like, I want more. I didn't want more drama. I just wanted more screen time. I wanted more of, you know, his teachings and, you know, all of his things like that that he says. I just loved it. Absolutely. I loved it. And I thought it worked absolutely well with the show, too. Now, let's discuss Dr. Jacoby, the weird therapist played by Russ Tamblin. The other West Side Story veteran, um, and he, he he was also um, he is uh, was also a part of Laura's life because not only was he sleeping with her, but he was Laura's therapist, and he also did love her at one point. Um, first of all, loved his wardrobe. Let's be honest here, his most sharp, interesting man. Oh my god, the three D glasses! Are you kidding me? And the coconut, always drinking from a coconut, like iconic. What did you think of his character, though? I think it was also necessary, um, especially towards the beginning when, you know, we find out like, oh, this was Laura's psychiatrist, like she was seeking help. Um, I mean, obviously towards season two, it's not as necessary. He doesn't play like that, a bigger role in the show. But I did find him very entertaining because he was very weird. Very weird. And I do think also because he had these secrets about Laura and stuff like that, um, I thought he was essential to the storyline because he also added like he was in season one. I definitely could see people saying like, maybe he's a suspect, you know, because not only was the dude just weird, but like he did have odd connections with Laura. All right. Let's talk about Gordon Cole played by none other than David Lynch himself. He is the deaf FBI, uh, FBI agent that comes on frequently. Loved him. Even though he was yelling every scene, loved him, loved his dialogue Mimicked, you can tell that it mimicked a lot of, like, the Dale Cooper style. Yeah. Um, but I also, I thought it was really cute when he had that moment where he's talking to Shelly. And he's like, I can hear you. Like, and he talks normal for the first time. Like, he talks at, like, a reasonable volume for the first time. I thought that was cute. And I also thought it was a little weird that he was, like, smooching Shelly in season two. And no one had an issue. I don't know. Yeah. It it didn't look like anyone had an issue. Like, it was just like, you know, Matchin was like, yeah, why not? Like, at least that's what I gathered. Um, but yeah, I, and Bobby's like, what's going on? Meanwhile, he cheated, 
so many times. He was already cheating on Shelly with Audrey at one point. And he and uh, Gordon is just like, do you want to see it again, dude? And like he kisses her again. I, I thought it was cute. It wasn't essential, but I enjoyed seeing David Lynch in this and kind of almost fitting into the own world that he created. Yeah, it was cool. I, I liked it. Now we got Albert Rosenfeld, who is played by Miguel Ferrer, uh, RIP. He is FBI forensics. Um, I liked him and I liked his transformation. He was kind of like the ugly side of the FBI. Yeah. Every time he came in, he dissed someone and was like, oh, I don't like it. Like he had beef with um, uh, Sheriff Harry. Um, what did you think of Albert? Uh, I liked it. I think it, it did move the plot along a little bit, but it wasn't anything significant for me. That's fair. I do like the fact that he comes back to, to Twin Peaks like on the third time. You know, he's now all of a sudden best bros with um, Harry and, yeah. and Dale. I, I enjoyed that. There's also this really, I think it's with him in it. There's this one favorite scene of mine. It's a favorite angle where you see um, Dale Cooper, Harry Truman, Hawk, and Albert Rosenfeld all step into the same frame together. And you kind of just see like their faces all in one line. Love that. Love that scene. Just saying, because that was one of my favorite like directorial shots. I was like, nice. yes, I love that. Um, let's talk Harold Smith, played by Lenny Von Doyle. The shut-in <laughs> that new Laura from the Meals on Wheels program. Mm. What did you think of his character? Dramatic. <laughs> dramatic with the garden rake and he scrapes his face what was that (laughs) and then he kills himself it's like because i think they took her diary that's probably what it was and then i i did think his character was essential though because he did hold laura palmer's diary and yeah he was the missing link they knew her in a very specific way because she told him about bob um so he's very essential but dramatic, very dramatic. Oh, uh, with the whole garden hoe thing and he's scraping his face, I hate it. But I, I did like the concept of his character, that he's this shut-in. And I could see why Laura confided in him because he wasn't going to go anywhere. He had no friends. He wasn't going to talk to anyone. She couldn't tell things like this to her therapist because um his therapist or her therapist would have been like, you're sleeping with your father, but you're you're sleeping with me? He would have been weird about it. So <laughs> I, I do like... Um, I did like Harold Smith. I the I thought he was definitely essential because you know the Meals on Wheel program is only mentioned once in the beginning and then explored later on in season two. Mm-hmm. So I I thought it was a good avenue for everyone, like for all the characters to take when they start realizing where the truth of um, Laura Palmer and her diary is. Um, but yeah, acting was okay. Just just way too dramatic. Um, way, way, way too dramatic. Like I said that scene with him and Donna. No, didn't care for it. Annoying. Yeah, I mean, it's like at the end of the day, it just it, it, Donna was just using him. Yeah, which was wrong. It wasn't I'm anything sorry. real. She was mean for that. She was awful for that because this guy seriously like had issues clearly, and she was just like, yeah. "Let me pretend I'm in love with him, and then let me cry about it when he kills himself." Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. I think was gonna happen. Um, I added Sarah Palmer because obviously Laura Palmer's mother played by Grace Zabrisk. Um, I liked her. I, I think she introduces the first episode fantastic, but she really doesn't carry a lot of weight. 
Um, one of the attributes I did like about that I thought was shocking was how, you know, her husband would drug her and how that's how she wouldn't hear the screaming and everything going on in the middle of the night. What did you think of, you know, Laura's mother? I think, again, she is a necessity because it, it does give you context to what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the first scene of her just screaming, I'm sorry, but I laughed very hard where she finds out her daughter is dead and she just like... Ah! like for like 15 <laughs> minutes straight i was just kind of like uh funny feel bad but it's funny um here's the thing one of the things i never understood and the drugging thing totally makes sense but you were married to this man for i'm gonna what let's just say 20 years least at least 20 years you don't think something was wrong with him you don't see that he's acting weird sometimes that he's like doing weird things to your daughter not like just there's a scene in fire walk with me where like it does make sense but for me it was very hard to believe that she didn't see something was wrong with leland yeah especially and i think you know in context to twin peaks just the first two seasons i could understand why she didn't see anything because she was drugged but in fire walk with me you clearly see that she does see some weird stuff so that could have been at least explored more maybe the Maybe they could have explained like maybe the drugs and stuff like that more so often in Twin Peaks and how maybe she was just drugged consistently and all the time. And that's why she wouldn't remember those things. Um, so, yeah, definitely essential, but not not huge, huge towards the story. Um, right. Now we got to talk about Wyndham Earl. The, the now the new protagonist, the new, no, antagonist? whatever, the enemy of season two, played by Kenneth Welsh, um, does not appear until, like, midway end of season two. Mm-hmm. Um, was a, Dale's former FBI par- partner, but lost his mind, killed his wife when he found out Dale was sleeping with her. I do like Wyndham Earl. Obviously, I don't care for his storyline as much as I cared for the Laura Palmer storyline of the murder, but I liked it because it continued the story. It, it just kept continuing because the whole Laura Palmer story could not go on for four seasons. It would have been excruciating. No. So the Wyndham Earl, although it wasn't as strong as the original story, I did enjoy this this new character that they brought in and how it ties in with everything. I agree. And I think it also gives you a different look at Dale. Um, we know Dale as the stand-up guy, a do-the-right-thing person. But when you kind of see, like, oh, like, he wasn't doing the right thing at some point and he caused a lot of damage. I mean, it's not his fault his partner went crazy, but, like, you know, he was sleeping with the guy's wife. So I think it does yeah, he's not a little perfect. dimension, you know, to that. So, yeah. And I think he is what brings Leo to justice, too. That kind of moves that along as well. Yeah. And I think also, you know... It also is a good way. I, I really liked how in the end, you know, you see him in the Black Lodge and everything like that. Um, Wyndham Earl and Bob. And, you know, Wyndham Earl's like, I want to take your soul. And Bob is like, <laughs> no, dude, I'm going to take yours. <laughs> I love that. I love that because I think it really showed at the end of the day, like there was no match to Bob. There was no more, more no more powerful vessel than bob so i i enjoyed that aspect of it too because even when it's like oh my god here's the next villain and then bob just comes back and is like hey not no more i'm still here yeah i did enjoy it 
Definitely. All right. Annie Blackburn, played by Heather Graham, Dale's love interest of season two, is also just so happens to be Norma Jennings' sister. Um, I like the addition of her. I thought it was essential. One of the things, though, that I wish was explored, I mean, it could have been rewritten, I guess you could say. There's a book titled The The Twin Peaks Final Dossier, and it talks about what happens to Annie. Yeah. And I do think it could have been mentioned at the end of season two of Twin Peaks. Do you know what happens to Annie, Savannah? I do, but only because I watched season three and I did a little research, but... Okay, so in the final dossier, it says essentially that Annie, like, and I don't know if it translated to this way in season three, it says that Annie loses her mind. Yeah, yeah. From- and she is transferred into a mental asylum. And I wish that was, I wish that could have been briefly mentioned in the end, some way, shape, or form, because I think that's like, whoa, crazy. Um, but do you think she was essential? Obviously, she's not essential to Laura Palmer's. Well, she kind of is. So- I think she's essential because she is what essentially puts Dale in the Black Lodge. Like, it is kind of what pushes him yeah. to go into the Black Lodge. And it's sort of his fate. She is his fate at that point. And what happens to Dale is pretty much because of Annie. So I do think... Yeah, and we also do see her in Fire Walk with me. And I thought that was essential. I thought that it incredibly was essential to have her a little bit in Firewalk with me. But we'll get to that. Now let's talk about Mike the One-Armed Man, played by Al Strobel, who knows Bob. Essential. Yeah. Highly essential. Definitely. Needed him because you wouldn't understand Bob because he explains Bob. He can find Bob and everything like that. And in some way, shape, or form, he's very similar to Bob because he has the same issues um, as you know, Leland Palmer. And so they have that connection. They know each other. And especially in Fire Walk with me as well. Essential. I enjoyed his character. And I enjoyed the fact that, you know, he loses his arm and his arm kind of forms into the little dancing man in the Black Lodge. I like that. (laughs) No, he's definitely essential. He's sort of the gateway to Bob. So definitely needed for sure. Perfect. All right, now we got Denise slash Dennis Bryson, played by the legendary David Duchovny. By far the best guest star on the show, wouldn't you agree? Definitely controversial for the time. Oh, for sure. Because it was the first, because it's like, Dale Cooper's like, oh, Dennis is going to be here. And then all of a sudden, Dennis Cousin is like, hey, dressed as a woman, just call me Denise. I feel better as a Denise. Which is like, pretty much almost like one of the first transgendered, you know, characters that we see on a mainstream TV show. Right. right. So I thought it was good. And I, I do enjoy the the portrayal. Obviously, it could have been a little bit more, I guess you could say understandable before a time and audience that wouldn't necessarily understand it too well. Um, but I did like the charm that this character had. Like, and I do like the way that they played off this character as like, Oh yeah, he just he just goes by Denise now and lives his truth, and that's that. Like, and I also he had like one weird line where he's like, "Hey, just because I'm dressed like a woman, that doesn't mean I don't put one sock on at a time." You know what I mean? And Dale's like, "No, I don't." <laughs> um, I, so I really like David Duchovny's role on here, and he's by far my favorite guest star. Would you agree? Very entertaining. 
Very entertaining. I liked the relationship with Dale a lot. So, yeah. For sure. Now let's go to Jerry Horn, played by David Patrick Kelly, Ben Horn's brother. I liked him. He wasn't essential, but I liked the banter that was that was kept between him and Ben, especially the scene where they get like that good bread and they're like <laughs> chewing on it and they're like, it reminds me of that bread from you know where. And like, I love that scene. I thought it, I think that they add like some type of humor mm-hmm. um, because obviously with de- seeing everyone's different lights, it's not like everything is going to be bleak all the time. Right. So I do think Jerry added a little playful light to the story. What do you think? Yeah. No, I already said I like Jerry. It's fun. Good time. <laughs> you know? Like... All right. I'm really interested to know how you feel about Major Garland Briggs, played by Don S. Davis, R.I.P. All right. Um, so he um, was barely in season one, but plays a larger role in season two with aiding Dale. So what do you think about Major Garland Briggs. This is Bobby's dad, correct? Yes. And I also think it, it adds a lot of dimension to Bobby himself because Bobby's this mm-hmm. rebel and he's selling drugs and doing all these crazy things and his dad was a major in the army. So it definitely gives you dimension there. And he's very necessary in season two, for sure. So, and I enjoyed him more in season two, definitely. Yeah, he wasn't given a lot in season one. He was just like, you know, every time we saw him, he was like, son, put out that cigarette. Like, yeah. that was really his role in season one was just to be Bobby's dad. But I do like how he goes into season two and like we kind of get a glimpse as to who he is, what he does. And he does is he becomes vital to Dale Cooper and, you know, his the the whole this new storyline of season two. Absolutely. Uh Let's talk about Hank Jennings. Every time I saw this dude, I was, I was like, who was that? Patrick Swayze's brother, um, <laughs> who's played by Chris Mulkey, married to Norma, served time in prison, but he does a lot of dirty deeds for other characters. Now, because of that, I do think he is essential. Yeah. At first, he was annoying. And like, you're just like, Norma, get rid of this bum. Quick, get rid of him. Don't like him. He's slime. But... <laughs> it definitely adds purpose to the plot. So, and he, he gets absolutely coming to him eventually. So, and it's also like it covers so many of the other characters' tracks. Like he does things for Ben Horn. He does things for Leo. He does well. He shoots Leo. Um. So it, I liked how he kind of was like this middleman that you can kind of point fingers to, and especially too, if he was doing all these dirty deeds, who knows? Someone could have been like kill Laura Palmer. So. Yeah. I, I thought his character was essential. Now we're getting to the last three. The last three peeps we're going to talk about. We got Jacques Renal, played by Walter Alka. I'm sorry, I don't know. Alkasowitz? Alkasowitz. Right. He was a drug runner that slept with Laura, bartended at One Eye Jacks, and the Roadhouse. Um, thought he was essential. Same. Definitely thought, because he played a huge role and knew almost everything about the ugly side of Laura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There wasn't a lot of acting. It was just a lot of, like, he just said statements. There wasn't a lot of acting. Um, But I definitely think he was essential. What do you think? Definitely. He, well, like you said, he showed what was going on with Laura, like the, the ugly side of things. And yeah, you needed to see that. So he did a really good job at showing us that. And then we got another Renal boy, Jean Renal, which is played by the legendary Michael Parks. Tusk. For those who don't know, the crazy dude in Tusk. 
a living legend, but also RIP. Um, <laughs> sorry, I said that so aggressively. Um, but he essentially takes over one eye Jacks, almost kills Audrey because yeah. he's the one who kind of organizes Audrey being there and tries to ruin Dale's career. Yeah. I don't necessarily think he was, he was needed, but I didn't mind his little storyline that he created with Audrey and one eye Jacks yeah. and all that stuff. He added a little something, something special, so we'll let him slide. Mm-hmm. All right. Last but not least, the most iconic character of Twin Peaks, we got the Log Lady, played by Katherine Coulson, who is a lady who holds a log and is clairvoyant and does not understand, but the log gives her messages and she is just merely a messenger for the log. Um, love her. Queen. An, a lo- queen. Queen. And I love how she is first introduced. Like, they're like, oh, who's that? And they're like, oh, it's just a log lady. And she is just aggressively flicking the light on and off in the town hall. <laughs> I, I thought it was such a great intro. It's like, oh, yeah. It's kind of like we've all seen, like, we all have a log lady of our town. But I, I do like her character. I like what her log represents. And I do think she is essential because she does give these, you know, little terms and phrases for Dale and, you know, Hawk to kind of interpret and everyone else to figure out everything. And she, uh, just so everybody knows, she is very essential in season three. She is essential. She's queen. Queen, queen. Three seasons, queen. So that is the characters of Twin Peaks season one and two. So Savannah... Is there anything you want to talk about that was like your favorites of season one or two? I think we like. Is, was there any particular scene? What was your favorite character? Let's let's just talk favorites right now. I think we covered. Um, my favorite, I think, is the reveal that Leland killed um, Laura and Maddie, and I think that was mm-hmm. perfect. And also the last episode, where we find out that Bob is now in Dale Cooper. Oh, that last episode is by far, in my opinion, the best episode because you have that. Let, let's let's talk about that moment when they're all next to the sycamore trees and that one song plays and then you have it go in and out with the Black Lodge and everything. That is TV filmmaking at its finest. I thought that episode is probably one of the best directed TV show episodes ever. No cap. Uh, but I, I truly, did, do you agree? Do you think it's the strongest episode? Do you have another favorite episode? Besides the Leland one? No, I think it's the mm-hmm. strongest one. I think the red room scene, it all, it comes together because you see, you know, the little man in red in season one and you see the dancing and then you see Laura Palmer. And I think that last episode really brings the whole show together and what has been going on for two seasons and that whole thing with Dale that's now Bob. What? In the end, holy crap, when it is filmed, when he hits his head against the mirror and pulls back and you see Bob on the other side, genius. That is genius. That is the way to leave off in a cliffhanger. And I, f- I would have not survived if I was watching this, if I was a little bit older and I was able to watch this and comprehend it. Because the fact that everyone literally had to wait 25 years to <laughs> finish it is astounding. Like, I could not imagine, you know, being in my 20s watching the show and then being in my 40s going, it's time. Like, I got into Twin Peaks. I only had to wait two years before the revival. I can't imagine to any other huge fans who had to wait 25 years for this. 
sorry, yawn. That sucks. But <laughs> it, is, it is the ending we deserved. And great. Great on David Lynch. Fantastic. And the fact that, like, you even hear Laura in the first episode go, like, I'll see you in 25 years. Yeah. Because remember, he has a dream. Uh, Dale has a dream that's like, I know who killed. And she says, I'll see you in 25 years. Or no, in the end, he says, uh, I'll see you in 25 years. And it's just like the fact that the timing and everything, and it did come out 25 years later, is chef kiss. Beautiful. All right. So overall, what would you rate? Season one and season two. You can do an individual rating for each, but what do you want to? How do you want to go about uh, it? Do you want to rate season one, season two, right, or overall? Season one at a nine because of the overacting and the singing and just the funny moments. But season two does get a nine and a half because of the ending and the Leland reveal. I think that's season two. Um, yeah. And there's less singing. So. Nine and a half. <laughs> All right. So I, you know what? I feel, I think that is totally fair. I completely agree with you. I think all as a whole, 10 out of 10, it's a, it's an impeccable show. You're never going to find anything like it. Um, but yeah, I do think as much as I like season one, and even though there are so many questionable things in season two and many things I did not agree with, when season two was strong, it was strong. Yeah. And that's why I would give season two a higher ranking. For sure. All right. Now we got to jump right into Fire Walk with me. Holy crap, this is going to be our longest episode so far. <laughs> um, it's probably going to be just as long when we talk about season three. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. but So I'll do a little quick synopsis. Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me came out in 92. Uh, it's Laurel Palm- Palmer's harrowing final days are chronicled. One year after the murder of Teresa Banks, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, Fire Walk With Me stars, you have, once again, Cheryl Lee as Laura Palmer, Ray Wise, Leland Palmer, and almost every other character comes back, except for Donna is now replaced by a different actress. Whatever. So, so okay, uh, you, you watch season one and season two first. Do you think Fire Walk With Me is good on its own? And do you think it is good in conjunction with the TV series? Yes, 100%. Obviously, watch the TV series before you watch Fire Walk with me because you're not really going to... I think genuinely you can watch it without Twin Peaks and understand some of the things. It's just not going to be as good as you'll think. You're going to be like, oh, okay, like... That's a little depressing. (laughs) Like, that's just kind of what you're going to think about when you watch it, but I... I do think it's a good movie regardless of the show. Yeah, no, no. It's it's quality, quality. And this is where you really get to know Laura Palmer and like why her life was a nightmare and what why she made the choices she does, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I also like um I there's this in the beginning, um, and by the way, the first time I watched this, I didn't realize it was Chris Isaac. You know who Chris Isaac is? Yeah. The singer Wicked Games? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I love that song. Yeah, like as soon as I realized I was just Wicked Games, like I was just going off in my room. Um, but I love in the beginning to kind of also help almost like interpret everything that we saw in season two in season one and two. Um, you see this like woman in the red, um, and she's like making a weird face and they break down everything. And I 
thought that was so great to add because even though those characters were not essential to the main storyline by any means, I thought it was really interesting because now we could see like, oh, this is how you interpret David Lynch, you know, Mm -hmm. especially like if you want to go back to Twin Peaks season one and two and kind of review it all and interpret those weird scenes. Absolutely. And in the beginning of the movie, I didn't really understand what was going on because you don't just jump right into Laura Palmer. You're brought into this uh, investigation of another woman's death that you find. Yeah, then David Bowie shows up for a minute and they're like, we thought you were gone. And he's like, then he's gone again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I, I literally think it was just a fact that David Bowie really loved the show and he wanted to be in it. And he's like, as soon as they found out he was doing, they were doing a movie, he was like, please put me in there anywhere. And so he got that role. Of course, he belongs. He belongs. R.I.P. Oh, for sure. He belongs in that universe. But was he, is it just me? Or was he doing like a Southern accent? He was doing something. I don't know okay. what it was, but I mean, it didn't not work. It was just different. Yeah. All right. So um, now we let's talk about Laura. Let's talk about Laura. This whole thing, even though a little bit focuses on like the first killing that uh, Bob as Leland does, it shows everything that happens to Laura within like the last three days. And I thought this was so essential because it fully heightened the brutality and the awfulness of what Laura was going through because you couldn't convey it so well in a TV 14 show, but you could in an R rated movie. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts on Laura and how she compared to the show and Firewalk with me? I think in the TV show, you don't really understand how bad it is. Like, for me, I, I didn't know that she had these encounters with Bob for years. Like, this was going on since, what, she was 12 or something, and that her dad on the regular was just abusive and, like, weird and crazy. Um, So you don't see that in the show. You just think that, oh, like, one day Leland snapped and killed her. But in all reality, like, she was getting raped by Bob until one night she sees that it's her father. And she was just doing all these drugs because she couldn't cope with the fact that, like, this man, Bob. Let alone her father. Just some dude was coming in the middle of the night and, like, was essentially raping her. Like, the idea, and, like, that should have at least been kind of mentioned in Fire Walk With Me. I mean, it it did kind of say, like, oh, I saw Bob multiple times, but it didn't portray the gravity of the situation. Yeah, and Firewalk with me did a really good job at showing not only what Laura was going through at home for years and years, but how she was coping with it. And like, you can kind of be like, well, yeah, it wasn't the best choices, but we understand. I understand why she was on drugs. <laughs> like, what was she supposed to tell people? A demon man? A random man comes in my room every night? What were you supposed to tell people? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he started seeing Bob in her room and he started showing up places. Um, and then sh- you see her affairs with Bobby and James. And my opinion is James did seem like he genuinely loved her, like genuinely yeah. wanted the best for her. And Bobby was kind of just sucked into her world in a weird way. She was t- Bobby, uh, Bobby, I, I'm going to defend Bobby here no, because Bobby was manipulated and was obviously he was a jerk, but he became the worst of him 
because of Laura and because of Laura's manipulation. Like there's even one scene where he's like, babe, come on, blah, blah, blah. And she like, they're having like a small little argument and she's just like, you can see this type of manipulation in her just to get drugs from him. Um, and I do think she did love James, but ultimately she knew James was way too good for her. Like, I think she was afraid of ruining James. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you do see the friendship between Donna and Laura. And I do understand, like, Donna's confusion with Laura. I do understand, like, you don't really... She didn't really understand why Laura was making the choices she was. Um, and then, yeah, just the whole her what did you think of that scene when they're in like the one-eyed jacks bar dude it was wild it was wild i wasn't expecting it um but i did like the whole like the audio in the scene do you know what i'm talking about when they're talking and it's just muffled from the music yeah i I took notice i was like i like that i like that it makes it more realistic um but it just kind of shows how much dawn i wanted to be like laura yeah, and then I so there's this also. I thought Jacques Renault was um e- like essential in this movie as well because he, you know, we knew like yeah he was dealing drugs and stuff like that, but he knew what he was doing was bad. And I wrote there's one line he says and it's so gross. And he's holding I think it's it's Laura and Ronette, and he's he just goes. Oh, like uh, my favorite meal, a high school sandwich. Let's let's add some meat. And it's like, <laughs> like, yeah. it's so, oh, oh, God. And like, you realize like what these girls had to go through. Um, what did you think? So and also going back a little bit to when um, she sees Bob in her room and she runs outside her house and sees her father leave. That acting moment when she has that realization, she starts like she's hiding in the bushes and she's sobbing was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Yeah, I know. I think it's one of the moments where she starts suspecting that it's her father. And then the scene of her and her uh, Leland in the car where the man um, next to Leland is just like, it's your father. It's your father. Fantastic. And then she goes, yeah. dad, where were you on Friday? And he was like, I was at work. And she's like, you didn't come home? And then he's like, oh, oh, yeah, I did. Did you see me? And she just freaks out. Like, you can see her internally, like, shaking and freaking out. Awesome. Awesome reveal. So, so good. Uh, What did you think about when, you know, Laura and Ronette are at, you know, the thing? And also, I didn't mention... Um, I didn't put Ronette on the list. Because although I, I think automatically she is essential. But half of the time she's only talked about she really is just kind of like a topic of conversation that leads she's not really a character that stands on her own in the show she stands on her own though in fire walk with me and that's why i didn't mention it in when we were talking about the characters because she was just more so like talked about she didn't really she wasn't there she she screamed a few times but (laughs) she wasn't she wasn't fully there present as a character. She was more so there present in terms of a storyline. But here, she is present. And I'm happy that, like, Ronette, you, we get full justice of the character Ronette, meaning we get to see her more. And we get to see her as she is and understand her story more. So, um, but what what did you think of that scene where they're at the table, the dude's underneath, underneath the table, and it's ugh, getting weird. And then Laura sees Donna. 
getting freaky with it. <laughs> and Laura flips. What did you think about that? I think it was to show that Laura did care about Donna and that this wasn't fun for her. Like, this isn't not having a good time. Like, this is something that she just felt like she had to do and deserved. Where with Donna, Donna had a good life. You know, Donna had pretty good parents and a pretty good home life. So for Laura, it was just like, I don't want her getting into this. And she just starts screaming like, never wear my clothes. And it's like, what? Like, they're just in the bar and she's like drunk and stuff like that. And she, you know, I kind of like, and then when she talks to um, Jacques, that's when she's like, you have to get her out of here. She doesn't deserve to be here. But I was a little bit taken back when she's like, you don't wear my clothes. I wondered if that's like a metaphor for like, you can't be me. You shouldn't want to be me. Yeah, I think it was that too because, I mean, and that makes sense because in Twin Peaks, she's just like, Laura, Laura. And like, there's this whole thing of like, I wanted to be Laura. I looked up to Laura and Laura was just like, what are you doing? I get raped (laughs) by a demon. Go to college. Yeah. Why aren't you in school? (laughs) You know, (laughs) and it was just this whole fascination of like, and I think it was because all these men wanted Laura, but at the end of the day, Laura was just going through a nightmare. But Donna yeah. only saw half of that. Um, now, one of the most shocking things that wasn't talked about in Twin Peaks season one or season two was the fact that Bobby killed someone. Oof, yeah. We don't hear that. Like, as soon as it happened, I was like, when did this happen? <laughs> when was this mentioned? No wonder why, but it made sense. Literally, the same gun that he has in Firewalk With Me is the same gun that he gives Shelly. yeah. Yeah, I thought it was so a cool was like, little detail. Yeah, but I was just so shocked. And also, there obviously it being R-rated, very brutal. The shot in the head was like, whoa. Yeah, you see his brain a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. But it was that was definitely a shock to me. And I, But I also thought it was necessary because I think it really showed how far off, you know, Laura took Bobby. Like how... he was just a high school jock who now killed a man who was going to give him coke and blah 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 like things like that like it was very crazy but I thought it it showed Laura's almost evil influence on him I think yeah and even with the whole scene with with her in the shut-in where she actually says like it's Bob like Bob is real I think Mm -hmm. it also adds depth to the whole shut-in character because he was really the only one that knew Bob like the name and everything. He was the only one from the outside world. And plus, remember, anyone who stopped by, he wrote about them. It was a way for her to communicate with someone without being judged because he was genuinely interested in their stories. So I I thought the, the shutting character was also essential in, in this movie as well. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. Also, Leo makes a little bit of an appearance. Oh, yeah. Ugh. You know, and we see him. Oh, at oh god like it's just there the scenes that are in here and especially with the dad there's a moment where and it's so so gross because you can tell the reason why bob killed was because he was jealous that laura was sleeping with other men so and that is from the the moment where she has a necklace on and he looks at her fingers and he's like fixated on her hands and he's like your fingers are dirty and then looks at her necklace and is like well i'm sure bobby didn't give you that who gave you that and you can tell and even laura's mom is like leland stop please stop and 
you can tell that it's coming from a dark place of jealousy and wishing it was almost him. Nasty. And I'm going to be honest, shame on the mom. If you see something weird like that going on, goodbye. She should have said something. Like I said, I wish they would have added more. Like maybe she was like drug 24-7 or something (laughs) like that. Or or had some other... Some contact. Yeah. Because like... I don't know. It it just kind of seemed like she knew there was something a little bit more going on. Like he would he would have these moments where like that, like the whole like oh like who gave you that, and it was just off. And his care like he they and that's I also thought um, Ray Wise impeccable acting in this is too. Like no one I when I first watched this film, I had one of the worst nightmares I've ever had in my life. I had a nightmare that I was Laura and my dad was Leland. And I, when I told you, I could not sleep for three days. Like, cause that, I mean, as, as a woman who has a great relationship with her father, this to me is like the grossest of the grossest of the grossest things anyone could ever think of. I mean, especially the, like, so there is a scene where we do see Bob raping Laura and then like she she turns her head and when she looks up, she does see the face of her father. Like it's not Bob for a split second and she flips out and like that is horrifying. Like it's horrifying. I kind of, I, you know what? Although it might have just been a little too far, I wish that moment was a little bit longer. I think it would have really, like, you know, for me, it was, like, on a gross meter, 9 out of 10. I kind of want a 10 out of 10 because I'm a sick, you know, sick individual. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's... So it I was, was, like, maybe, like, I maybe would have just wanted, like, one wide shot of, like, his body on top of hers. That, for me, would have been, like, Ugh! like, then I would have been, like, okay, max level of grossness. I mean, yeah, it was a pretty disturbing scene because, like I said, we don't really know in Twin Peaks to what extent that Laura had interactions with Bob. And yeah. this kind of proved like, oh, that she and him were very close. <laughs> um, yeah, Bob wasn't a stranger. Yeah. You know, because Bob kind of seems like this, at first, this kind of stranger who had a fascination with her, kind of like almost like a very stereo- a stereotypic serial killer where they see someone, they have a fascination, and then they kill. This was definitely more deepened and enrooted thanks to combining Bob and Leland together. Now, speaking of that, let's talk about the moment where uh, the moment when Jacques starts tying up Laura and Leo is there with Ronette. They're doing the do. Ron, uh, Laura is being tied behind her back. And then through the window, we see her father watching. <laughs> oh my god just that the last 10 minutes of the film need it needs to be put in like a hall of fame for like one of the best grossest but best well-made scenes ever made was, because from that point on holy crap what did you think about it i was it? frightened it was scary um i mean we finally know now what exactly happened to laura like exactly like how she died mm-hmm. So I, I, I mean, it was really scary for me. Like I was like, oh no, like, <laughs> um, but necessary. Yeah. I, I she ends up in the black lodge. Oh man. And like, 
there's this, uh, it, it's just so, like, when he's holding Ronette and her, and they're just, like, running, and he's just, like, Ray Wise's facial expressions are so creepy, and he brings them to the train cart, and Ronette is forced now, I think, by far one of the most beautiful scenes of the entire Twin Peaks universe and everything that David Lynch has done involving Twin Peaks is a scene where Rana is praying and the angel comes mm. and pretty much releases her, her little, her arm pies. Um, but she still gets knocked out and she falls out of the train and stuff. But I thought it was beautifully haunting because Laura saw it too. Yeah. And she kind of just realizes that she is gone. She's, she's going to die. When the angel come and saves Rana, because it it almost seems like at that point Laura knew even with every all the struggles that she went through, there was no saving her. Exactly, yeah. And the the oh and the music oh, David Lynch bringing out Luigi Cherubini's Requiem in C minor. <laughs> Holy crap! Holy crap! Like as soon as I heard that, I was like, God, that's yes, like that was like the best music choice, you know, with the angel and the choir and all this stuff. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Um, it was so well done. And then she's back in the the lodge, and like I said, you do see kind of Dale Cooper here and there, but he's not really a huge part of the story. We just kind of see where he was before he's assigned the Laura Palmer case. Yeah. Um, but he is in the Black Lodge, yeah, and. I thought, so there's a scene, also, there's one scene, I really want to pick David Lynch's mind and be like, how'd you do that? Because not only is there a scene where Leland is floating in the air, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scene where his feet are on the floor, and he's just kind of like teetering. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was like a great representation of like, um, you know, he was floating like that because when Laura died and was in the water like that, he died with her. Yeah. So I thought that was like a really good. And then personally, and I'd love to hear your interpretation of the end with Leland and Bob. um, Because Leland has the blood on his chest. Bob takes it, throws it on the floor, and then it's gone. And I think that was a metaphor for Bob taking essentially the blood off of Leland's hands, putting it on his own, and then wiping it clean. Yeah, I think that's what it is. At the end of the day, like, we do have to understand, like, Leland himself didn't do anything, unfortunately. Like, I know we want to say, like, yeah. Just his, almost like his vessel. Just it was his just body. his vessel. It was He wasn't in control. Yeah, and, like, I do feel like when he finds out his daughter is dead in Twin Peaks, like, it is a genuine reaction. Oh, which, by the way, even though, like, his, like, in the first episode of Twin Peaks, the mother's like, ah! like you know just screaming and grabbing her hair but Leland's reaction I was like I gotta hold my heart because he every time he cried I was like like my heart was hurting very real and I don't think like I think what that scene was saying when like the blood came off he just didn't remember there was nothing there so when Twin Peaks started Leland had no idea what happened to his daughter and I also think, so what, let me ask you, what did you think when Laura and Dale are there and the angel is there? What was your interpretation of that? Um, I, 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 I would think that she does have some peace now, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, I'm also kind of like, well, she's also in the Black Lodge. Yeah, because so I realized, because I was thinking... Because I was thinking, I was like, is that her, like, a symbol of her going to heaven? But no, because she's stuck in that Black Lodge. 
because all the way till the end, you know, she's stuck from season one to season two. She is in the Black Lodge. So I thought maybe because Dale Cooper was there and they were both kind of looking up that Dale Cooper was going to like lead her to salvation, her death to salvation, not necessarily bringing her into heaven because it kind of just does seem like you know when you're in the black lodge there's no it's like a purgatory with no escape yeah so maybe like i also thought like oh like he's her protector sort of now guardian angel i guess uh, guardian angel i guess you could say you know it works um but yeah i i loved the the last i thought the last 15 10 minutes of this of the movie was filmed immaculately Um, And although I do love David Lynch's directing, but that uh, probably those last 10 minutes, 20 minutes are one of my favorite works from him. For sure. Very essential. Done very well. Done very, very well. Extremely well. I can't get over. Like as soon as I I also, when I first watched this in high school, um, I was going to make a domestic violence PSA because I made a PSA when I was younger and I was going to make one. In the style of Twin Peaks, of, of Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, the scene where um, where Leland is killing her and said I was going to have it, a girl being beaten. And that was going to be, I mean, I'm glad I didn't make it. It wouldn't have been much of a message. <laughs> um, but like that is the impact that scene has had on me. You know, I absolutely, I was literally going to recreate that scene I mean, for a domestic violence PSA. Absolutely. You've never seen a movie, a movie like that, genuinely. Or mm, seems like never. that. So, yeah, David Lynch. Very underrated. Very. And I think this movie, too, I think out of everything, all, this is one of his most underrated films. Besides his short films. Like, in terms of, like, regular films, this is m- one of his most underrated. For sure. I give I give it a 10. Same. You know what? I do give it a say because it works just so well with the TV show. And even on its own, I would give it a 10. Yeah. Even if I wasn't able to fully understand, I think it's just the, everything from Laura Palmer, from the moment we see her back on the screen till the end is just phenomenal. 100%. All right. We're at the two hour mark and Woo! it is lunchtime. So I'm excited for that. I'm so happy we're able to cover this. Um, we're going to be talking about season three eventually. Give us like six months to recover <laughs> and six months to also interpret whatever season three actually is. Um, but you heard it from us. That is what we recommend. Um, as always, shout out to homeboy James. Hey, not Twin Peaks James. Our James. James. Absolutely, James. Your Our James is better than Twin Peaks James. Sorry, David. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want to know how you can get that shout out, uh, you should check out our Patreon and see all the little different options we have. If you want to support us, you can also, you know, buy my short story because it does all I the don't... proceeds. Whether or not you read it, whether or not you read it, I don't care. Everything just goes. I mean, I do care. I would love your opinion. <laughs> uh, but uh, all the money from that does go into supporting everything, supporting us, going into new mics, and also goes into website maintenance fees. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, well, the next time you'll hear from us, we'll be talking 12 angry men what no um 21 days days. so we're going to be discussing 21 days the next time you hear us and until then take care and hope you enjoyed Bye. bye